someone wants to get the lights, that'd be good. Thank you, Jesus. You're an awesome God. We honor you. We bless you. Get on that mic, girl. Thank you. We're going to wait for Tierra to get back. Praise the Lord. This will be a quick teaching. We're going to let the spirit flow. God is good, right? <laughs> that's an awesome song, man. Man, that song is tight. What's today's date? All right, if uh, Kimra can, uh, Daniel, would y'all grab those two posters I have at the end of the, the hallway back there? Thank you. Me and Carl was talking about this earlier. I'll share this real quick before I get into what I'm going to speak tonight about. The Lord, see, these are two new names the Lord told me belong to him. Do you have something? I didn't know this until I heard this song. Y'all heard it in the song. There's the princess. Here's the songs. I mean, in the song. The first, when he told me his name was The Amen, that was something I never heard before, and I kind of did a little study on it. Um, amen meant that all his promises will come to pass, basically. So when you pray, uh, put that one right here in front of this podium for me, and if you want to bring that one right over here. Yeah, that, that'd be fine right there, because I'm going to grab my stuff in just a second. We don't ever really look, get to look at these posters, huh? We see kind of like, this is a portion of it, okay? Um, but in the song, I didn't know that, but every when the Lord illuminates something in my ear, I kind of search it out. He's also called the Ancient of Days. Did y'all know that? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know I'm only two and a half years in the game with, you know, really pursuing the Lord. But I didn't know that through reading. Some people might have read the Bible. Some people might only know that through hearing it in the sermon, right? Um, but ancient of days, this is what it means. It's in Daniel, it's in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 43, Daniel 7. Ancient, he, was, he, was, he existed before time existed. We all know that because God created the days. He created, he created the sun, the moon, the things that, you know, kind of calculate time for us. He was before those things. But this is kind of what... God kind of gave me about the ancient of days. And it kind of goes in what the amen as well. If God created before time, if he's created before time and he created time, he knows everything because everything was placed in a time. And we talk about times and seasons in here. But God already knows how we're going to walk out our life and whatever time or whatever season we're in. Okay. So as the ancient of days, when we choose God, our life is already predestined for success. But through the trial, through the testing, and through all the, the tribulations, we're being formed to become more like God. So God has sovereignty, and I want to acknowledge his sovereignty, because in his sovereignty, he's all-powerful. 
all knowledgeable. He knows all things. What is that? Omnipotent and omnipresent. You know, I think it's three of them that start with O or two of them. So in that, in the ancient of days, he existed before time. He created time. So in this time, he has complete control. He's over all things. So in the midst of us being in our time and not specifically in a season yet, God has already fashioned and formed the circumstance or allowed the circumstance to create us to become more like him. So he's in complete control. So when we know that, it should give us peace. And it was the same thing with, for me when I learned about the amen. In Revelation, when they talked to him about the amen, it's wonderful how God was called all these names throughout the Bible. And at the very end, his name was the amen, meaning he's the guarantor of all of his promises, meaning they are going to come to pass. So whenever we say amen, we have to understand there's two types of amen. It's an amen where we agree with what somebody is saying. It's like saying yes, like with, with authority or yes, with like agreement. And it's the amen, which is a person's name, which is a reputation. So God's name is a reputation. Every bit of his names have reputation, reputations attached to it. So the ancient of days and the amen, we have to understand what the reputation is. Not a worldly reputation, but what God has done with those names, okay? And I only like sharing that because when I get something, I feel like I should give it out. I thought it was cool. There's two songs I heard. This, one of them was talking about them being the ancient of days, and there's another song by Gloria Zion. The song is called Holy, and they call him the ancient of days. So I said, wow, the Lord's trying to speak to me about that. But in time... Because he created, he was before he, because he existed before time and he created time, he has control over time and everything in that time. Okay. Also, another thing I want to go over Carl, can you put up 1 Peter 5 6? In the morning times, I always look at Bible, the Bible app to see what the verses of the day. And this one stood out to me because it's kind of going to go into what I'm, what I'm talking about today, which is the death of self. This is what it says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So the Lord had me do a little bit of meditation and breaking down the words. So when I broke it down in the Greek, not the Hebrew, this is what I got. The word humble means to be deflated or to be foolish. Okay, the deflation, we all know what deflation is. When we hype about something and somebody's like, "Uh, hold your horses. You're like, dang, you kind of feel small, right? And to be foolish, you know what it means to be foolish, like kind of unknowing, kind of like, oh, I didn't know that. It's kind of ditzy. I don't know how you would say that, but it's like, uh, okay, I don't really know what's going on, right? Not in that sense of I don't really know what's going on, but be foolish in the sense of that God's ways are higher than my ways. We have to, when you become humble, you have to make it a sense, I'm going to deflate myself. I'm not going to act like I know everything. We know that through the word humble, but deflation means to be squeezed and small, like really to be crunched or to be small. I don't know if y'all ever seen a ball be deflated or to be foolish. Foolish can mean to be unknowledgeable in something. We must present ourselves humble to God as I don't know this. Not saying that you don't know it, but when you go to God, he knows all things. You can't be like, well, God, I already know this. That's pride. Okay. So deflate or be foolish. Therefore, under, oh, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Okay, listen to this. I'm trying to figure out. Oh, here we go. I don't know what word it goes with, but this is what I have. Deflate or be foolish, therefore, in or inferior or in a inferior position. I guess that goes with the humble. It might have been three definitions I added together on here. So deflate yourself, be foolish, 
or be in, in an inferior position. Sometimes when we go to God or when we're going to our, you know, people that are overseeing us in the spirit, we have an exalted position. Well, I'm listening to all your teachings. I know, you know, I, I'm following all the words you're saying to do and I'm following the steps and all the protocol, everything you've taught me to do. When you go before God humbly or before a man or woman of God that God appointed you, you must allow yourself to be in an inferior position. I always say this around here. I do my best not to talk or speak, not because I don't feel like I'm worthy to speak, when Gene Lee or Carrie is speaking, right? Because I know they are already in a, in a spiritual stature that I have not reached yet. I'll put myself to an inferior position so I can receive the word of God with meekness. Because I don't want to be, I, I know I get revelation. Everybody in here can get revelation. You know, God is no respecter of persons. But I'm saying if I allow myself to be humble, he can exalt me. And trust me, the revelation they're pouring out is for me. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to try to take it to the next one so I can be exalted. Because we all, we all want to come to a place where we do something great for God. And my great may not be the same great for Kenrick or for Carl or for Mimi. But I want to be used. Okay, so deflate, be foolish, therefore, or therefore in or in an inferior position to God or to a person. And then it says under the mighty hand of God. That's that was the word. The word was under. Under means inferior position. Okay, do I need to go back and go over that? I don't think I do. That's what the word I have. I'm sorry. Deflate. Be foolish under or therefore in an inferior position. And this word right here says under the mighty hand of God. The word mighty, y'all know what it means? Powerful. Okay. So deflate, be foolish, therefore, or in an inferior position to the powerful hand. What is the hand that God represent? We all know this. We've been taught this. Which is what else? Power. Jesus was the power and authority of heaven. So deflate and be foolish, therefore, or in an inferior position to the powerful power of God. I thought that was so interesting that those two words went right together. Under the powerful power of God. But you could say Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That you will be, y'all know what? Exalted means elevated, lifted up to a higher position by God. And the word due time, this is what it means. In a short time or a while or in your season. Okay. I'm going to read that again because we're all in that state right now. Say it like it stood out to me. I must deflate myself and be foolish under God's revelation, under God's authority, or under God, and allow myself to be in an inferior position, a lowly position, to God's powerful power, his hand, Jesus Christ. That in due time, or in a short time, or in a while, or in my specific season, I will be elevated in God, and I will be lifted up to a higher position. Who all wants to be promoted? This is your way to do it. Promotion, we think of promotion sometimes of receiving an increase of money or an increase of uh, stability or whatever the case. But
but it can be a stature in God. I look at promotion in God as a stature. You know, it talked about Jesus when he was a boy that he increased in stature. We can all keep increasing in stature in here. The stature is in the spirit. So if I'm continuous, and it's not a humbling myself because I want to be exalted. It is, but it's not. It's like, it's not a play humble. It's like, I really want to be humble because I don't want to go through that, <laughs> that spanking, that beat down because it says pride, becomes, pride comes before the fall. I don't want to experience the fall. So the moment I start feeling an ounce of pride or a lack of humility, I must immediately humble myself. And like I, I say this, I said this before, one way when I'm feeling the flesh act out or my mind is out of control, I go to serving. Like I come in here, I may vacuum. I may fix the chairs. I haven't cleaned the bathrooms in here in a long time, but at one point I was cleaning bathrooms. I just went and tried to clean the toilet. That's one quick way for me to humble myself because I'm physically doing something that I don't want to do. You see what I'm saying? We have to train our, our flesh until it comes under the submission of the spirit. Because, you know, your, your flesh, it, we talk about it in, in the world. Your muscle has memory. Man, every time I'm doing something I don't like, there's a, a reaction or there's a, um, a consequence for something that I do. I always try to be proactive and find results. If I'm acting a certain way, I'm going to do something the opposite to create that course from falling on me. But I want to encourage you because we're all in that season right now of being exalted, and the flesh doesn't want to be humbled. We don't want to receive instruction. We don't want to receive revelation. and We don't want to seek God. The flesh is opposed to it right now because we think we know best. And when you think you know your best, when you think you know best, you're not humble. You're in pride. But that pride is all doing is setting up you for a fall so you can come fall at Jesus' knees or God's feet and allow God to lift you up because he's going to lift you up. That's all I've experienced. In November, Tori and I will be here for three years. God has done miraculous things in my life. Um, the manifestation of the natural or the manifestation of the spiritual realm manifesting in the natural realm is a short while away. It's a short period away. It's um, coming to its due season. Because what we don't understand is when we walk in this door, everybody's eyes and our lives are, have just got on us. And because we have, le- I'm talking about everybody in the whole, not just me and Tori. And the fact that we have left the world like a rogue agent, you know what the, the movie 007 is about? It's about leaving, it's like you don't know whose side, who somebody's on. The fact that we've left the world so abruptly, and some of us might have not even really been in the world, might have been in church your whole life. I know I played in the world for a long time, over 10 years, after finding Christ. Nine, 10 years, something like that. But the way we abruptly left the world, it shocked a lot of people in our lives. And they don't understand, okay, what is, what is this all about? He's lost his mind. Oh, he doesn't talk about God, all these, all these different things. But they're watching for the manifestation to see what is true. Now, there's a point in your life where what you say has power and it has an effect. But the true power and authority is going to come when they see the manifestation of God's promises in your life. Like when I got married to Tori, that was a portion. When I got ordained, that was another portion. But as things, as I get out of debt, that's going to be a portion. As salvation starts hitting our family, that's going to be another portion. But the manifestation of that is coming because all of us are surrendered to God, right? We're not carnal. You know, I was sitting back here and Dr. Lee, we talked about carnal. He said, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I said carnal Christian. I I thought that's what the terminology was. 
Carnal is you're playing both sides. True belief is not playing both sides. Carnal means one day, and we've all done it, I'm happy for the Lord. I'm hype. I'm in here worshiping. And the very next day, I'm cussing. Or the very next moment, I'm thinking the wrong thoughts. So we're transitioning out of that, that state. We all are. I don't care what time frames you came in. If you came in now or soon, you in the, the perfect timing of your life. Because there are promises that are coming into this place that everybody's going to get to receive. There's portions that people get to receive from. The things that I walked into in the ministry that was already labored for, I was able to walk into it by grace. I didn't have to labor for it. And the things that we've labored for, those that came in around the same time, the new ones are coming able to not have to go through it with labor. They go through it with faith. Okay? And I'm not saying there's no work. There was work, but the work is in God. The work is in time spent. And that's sacrifices. And I may talk about that tonight. What I want to get into is this. The death of the old man. I've been reading one of Apostle Maldonado's books. And it's talking about death to self and the power of God. So it just kind of got me intrigued because we're in that state. We're always in the state of dying to ourself. Dying to ourself. Okay. Carl, if you give me Ephesians 4, 17, 17 through 24. And we're almost done. There's a such thing about moving in faith, speaking in faith. So when I said the manifestation of the things that occurred in the spirit internally or eternally in my life are about to manifest, manifest that's because I'm speaking it in faith. That doesn't mean that I've, I've seen God do these things for like salvation and, you know, clearing debt, but my faith is there. So that means God wants to move. I believe God can do anything. Really. I'm ready to start see him in my life do anything. You know, there's a faith that's in your mind that's kind of a resting faith. Like, I know God can do it, but like you have no doubt that he can do it, but you haven't seen it. So your mind hasn't comprehended it. And then it's funny because the word says that faith is evidence of the things not seen. What I believe that means is the things that we haven't seen in the natural. And God, I, I believe God gives us glimpses of things in the spirit before We'll see it in the natural. So the things I've seen in the natural that I have not seen in the in the spirit that I have not seen in the natural. But my belief is there. So I know God wants to do it to prove himself. I, I might have said this last time. God created Pharaoh to basically prove his glory. He, he allows Pharaoh to put the Israelites in bondage and able to show forth his glory. So the little bondages we have in our soul, the way we think. And then Lee taught on this too, on when Israelites came into the promised land or, you know, some transition, they, there was five kingdoms or five uh, cities that were around them and God left them so they would learn war. It's the same thing. We have to learn how to war in the spirit. We have to learn how to uh, pursue God. Think about it, if we came into Christ and we didn't have to go through any of this, how much glory would God get? Again, we'll be another, it'd be another fable another fairy tale about a belief with no experience. And that's what separates us from other religions. There is experiences that we have with Christ that no one can take away. This is what I said a long time ago. I was telling this to Mimi. She'd be in high school and she'll want to basically not preach. What, what is it? Confess or profess about Jesus. And she's like, well, 
whatever I say, if somebody kind of starts questioning, you know, my beliefs, and I don't really have words for it, I said, they can question a lot of different things, but the one thing they can't take away from me is your experience. If we lead with our experience or our testimony, they can't take that away because it's something you believe. So you can believe the word and not understand it, right? But an experience I have, if sought out after God, I can believe it and understand it and talk about it in faith. And that's the one thing when I was a child, when I was 15, 16, and, and the Lord touched my body physically, and I didn't understand it, but that nobody could take that experience from me. Luckily, I had good parents that encouraged me, allowed me to read my Bible in the morning and, you know, stuff like that. But as I got older, and I would try to talk about God without a relationship, the one thing I had, even when I didn't have a revelation, was my first experience with God. And I was able to speak out of that. Okay, let's read this. This I say, therefore... Is this the Amplified or is this the New King? All right, let's read this. Therefore, I say, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, excuse me, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. We're talking about death to self. This is the old man. Okay, we call him the lost man, but truly he's also the old man. This is the open, this is the Gentile, the unbeliever. We all have lived in this man where there is glimpses or little shimmers of light that try to influence us, but we've been overcoming. We've walked in darkness and by the influence of it. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. This is the unbeliever. This is the lost man. This is the old man that has no life with God. There's theories. There's thoughts. There's no true substance to what he ever says. There's no great influence until he has that encounter with Christ. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance? What is, what is ignorance? What is ignorance? Kind of not knowing, right? It's like, like knowing, not knowing something. So it's calling somebody like you're ignorant because why wouldn't you know that? Or why don't you know that, right? That is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Have you ever seen a blind eye? It looks dead. It's like, have you ever seen an eye that was blind? I think that's interesting. It looks kind of just like that. I didn't plan that either, just so y'all know. <laughs> Blindness of the heart. Who being past feeling. Listen to this. This person right here is numb to life. And God is allowing that next circumstance to bring them very low. I'm going to tell you this. This darkness, what you see right here, although it's in the form of a man right here. Oh, it's still in the form of a man over here too. But that, that man is still in some blindness. So you have a man that's full of light in here now, but there's some portions of your life. And, and whatever area you're in, it can be a lot of your life that is still in darkness, that is still blind, that you can't make a move. What, what is the word? That is still numb to life, numb to God. But you still have life. You still have feeling. You still have light. Because of the blindness heart, who being past feeling, 
there's a place you can get in the old man where you just will continue doing sin. Just like, well, I'm already, I'm already, I've already gotten this far. What's the worst that could happen? Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. I'm going to read what lewdness means. Listen to what lewdness means. We've all done this. Totally debauchery or total debauchery, unashamed indecency. Unashamed indecency. We've all done this. Unbridled lust. Lord Jesus. Don't cook us. Unrestrained depravity. You basically, you just, you don't even care. Whatever it's going to be is what it's going to be. I'm telling you, man, there's been some times your boy was completely in lewdness. The person with this characteristic has an insolent defiance of public opinion. You don't even care what people think anymore. You, you, we all have been, I don't want nobody to see me like this. I don't want to do this in public. You just completely just disregarded that. Shining in broad daylight with arrogance. Sinning, I'm sorry, not shining. Sinning abroad. <laughs> sinning in broad daylight with arrogance and contempt. <laughs> Meaning you're in your mess and you don't care. That is that person. When you're getting to the end of yourself, you, you, you're basically giving it all. You're walking in complete darkness, complete di- uh, blindness. You're like, here I am. You're gonna. You, who all said this? You gotta accept me how I am. I ain't changing for nobody. <laughs> That's this person. You gotta deal. With, what you see is what you get. We all know that, right? They've completely have lost all connection with who they are. I've been that person. And what I want to talk about is death to self because this is a process. Even though we receive Christ in our heart right here. The darkness has to be peeled off. So there's indecencies. There's carelessness of what people's opinion. We're not talking about just people's. That's just a word used. Like you should care about how people see you because you represent God. So there are places in our lives as we're being transformed from glory to glory. That those things have to be lost. This lost man has no power, although he's arrogant. He's out. He has no authority. Although he's self-centered and he feels like or she feels like she knows everything. But this person knows nothing because they're void of the life of God, the spirit of God. Okay. Have given themselves over to just a reckless living. We can use that for lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. To work all uncleanness with greediness, to do all the things we know we should not do abundantly, over and over and over. I'm going to tell you this right quick. That's thoughts, words, and actions. We're not just talking about actions. We're talking about thoughts, words, and actions. How many... How many times have we all done something knowing we shouldn't do it, but it felt good, so we just keep doing it? Before you know it, you get stale or you get kind of numb to it. The word is in, I think it's in um, Exodus, we're talking about Moses. Instead instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, he decided to be 
with his brothers and sisters, the Israelites. But there's another word to use in there. Um, that's what that is. Uncleanness with greediness is the pleasures of sin. Wanting to experience the pleasure, pleasures of sin or wanting to indulge in the pleasures of sin instead of being with the people of God. We all have been, and when we're transitioning, you have one somebody in the family or a friend that's like, nah, I got to go to church tonight. And they're like, nah, come out, let's go out tonight. And then you get part, you get slammed or hammered drunk or high or whatever people do nowadays. And um, you have that one person that was trying to pull you along. I've had that. And I was slowly transitioning out of the, it wasn't even slow, it was quick. But people, you know, when you move fast in the Lord or when, you, when God really calls you and you just leave things behind, people don't know that that happened. So they're calling you out to do things. It's like, nah, not tonight. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Why, why can't you call tonight? You know, and then you see them all on Facebook, drunk, hammered, just the lost all mine. And back in the day, that was fun for us. We used to like taking pictures like that. But now you don't have no part of that. But you must want to suffer with the people of God. That's the word. Instead, instead of indulging in the fleeting pleasures of sin, instead he wanted to suffer with the people of God. This is what we had to do. The old man don't want to do that. The old man wants to stay in himself and experience what he would call God, whatever his God is at that time. For some people, it's women or men or, you know, alcohol or drugs or a combination of all. I want to go to, uh, real quick, we're not going to stay on the old man too much unless we're in the old man. I kind of talk about this with the soul because the soul is the mediator, right? The soul is the mediator. The soul is the producer of the kingdom of God, on the kingdom of God on earth or the kingdom of Satan on earth, right? So you have the soul in between these two people, right? So it's a choice. If I'm still in the old man's character, the old man's thoughts, what will I produce? And this is a, this is a futuristic thought because we, we can use the the full of river man, but I just thought it'd be cool to use another type of picture for this because this is what God wants us to be filled and flooded and full with him, right? But if I'm meditating on the things of God, if my, if my mind is on those things, what will I produce? The kingdom of heaven. So in the soul, there's a choice. A choice can't be made without knowledge. It can, but then you're making it in ignorance, right? But if a choice is made in knowledge, there's power behind it because I know what I'm supposed to do is right or I know what I'm doing is wrong. Okay. Can you go to Genesis 128? I'm almost done. Genesis 128. Do not quote me on this. But I feel like the Lord gave me some revelation about something. Okay. Then God blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over all the fish of the sea and all the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the earth. That was given to the spirit man. Correct? This was before God formed the man through dust or the dirt or the clay of the earth, right? So the man that has dominion is the spirit man. This man, this is how God wants us to be. Completely. This is how Adam walked before he sinned. Okay? We're in complete dominion. That's what God intended for him, right? It's the same thing God intends for us. 
So God said, then God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature or every living thing that moves on earth. Your spirit has dominion over all life on earth. Okay? Your spirit. Now, this man looks just like this man on the inside. That's your spirit with all power. Okay? Carl, go to uh, Genesis 3.17. So, Adam and Eve have been formed by, well, Adam's been formed by the dust or the dirt or the, the clay of the earth. And God gives him his helper through his rib and replaces it with flesh. And they're living life in dominion in the garden. And Eve is deceived and Adam is tempted and receives a temptation and falls from glory. And this is what the Lord said. It said, then Adam, and then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sakes and told you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Although it's obvious, this was a revelation to me. God cursed the ground. He didn't curse the man. A lot of times we feel like, hear me, God cursed the ground. He didn't curse the man. A lot of times we feel like we're cursed. I felt like that. There were things in my life. I'm like, why haven't these things changed? I must be in a curse, right? What was man formed out of? The dirt, the clay. God cursed the dirt, the earth. Okay, now stay with me. When we are in the flesh, we are cursed because the flesh was made out of dirt. It was made out of the earth. Every moment we step into the flesh or the dirt, we have stepped into the curse because that's what he cursed. God intended us to be like this, the complete spirit man. When the man rebelled, he was still flesh and spirit over here. But when he rebelled, he cursed the ground. The connection to the ground was the dirt. So every time we were in the flesh or in the dirt, we're walking in curse. We're walking in the curse. That's that's thoughts, words and actions. Are y'all kind of following what I'm saying? Because the man, the spirit man was given dominion over all life. I believe it says he has dominion over everything too. But when he fell from glory, when he was deceived and he took the, when Eve was deceiving, the temptation was taken. That's when the curse went in operation in the ground. So if you're in the flesh, this is how you know you're in the flesh. Your life has decay, destruction, and ruin on it. That's one indication. It says when you sow, when you sow to the flesh, you root decay, ruin, and destruction. What is decay, ruin? You know what decay looks like. You ever left a, a, a fruit out for too long or some food out and it starts to rot? Ruin is everything you touch. It goes to shambles. I've had it. I, one point in my life, I was getting pulled over by the police constantly. I could not get away from the police officer. If I wasn't getting pulled over for not a seatbelt, I was getting pulled over for speeding. It didn't matter. They had their eyes, boy, the world had their eyes on me. But I was like ruining my life. Every time I turn around, something was being ruined. Military, something was being ruined. And then destruction. 
destruction, everything in my life. I felt like everything in my life was coming to destruction. Your boy, I sold a lot to the flesh before I came to God, but all those seeds had to come back up. There's nothing to be afraid of because God is already, he already knew. He's the ancient of days. He already knew before time that you was going to go through it. And he has dominion over all that time. But what I want to focus on is the death to self. If I'm not dead to who I, to the old man, I'm in the curse. If I'm in the curse, there's no life in operation. So although I may be in the flesh in one area of my life, it's ruining, it's destructing, and it's decaying all, area, uh, all other areas. They're not even in, in full life. But if I remain in the spirit, the areas that do have death, decay, and ruin on it start to have life on it. And it says when you sow to the spirit, you root life, everlasting life and peace, right? You sow to the spirit how? Basically, for layman's terms, or to shorten it, spend time with God. Your spiritual sacrifices, which is praying, uh, reading the word, meditating on the word, worshiping, um, giving, thanking the Lord, um, fasting. Thank you, Mimi. But are y'all getting what I'm saying? So the moment you decide to live in the spirit, you can leave the curse. The moment I say, okay, I'm done with this decay. I'm done with my life being destructed. I'm done with ruining my life. You can really step in the spirit instantly. You know how to step in? Give God praise. I'm not saying there's an instant manifestation of the destruction in your life to go away, but you stepped out of the curse. And when you step into the blessing, and when you step into, listen to this, when you step into the, when you step into the spirit, again, you have, now you have all dominion over all life now, again, as God gave it, right? So now you have dominion over your circumstance that you're just in over the curse, right? And you have, it's not, then you have God's perspective. God's perspective is wisdom. It's his wisdom, knowing the end from the beginning. So even though there are portions of your life that are being destructed. Gotta give when you're in the spirit, stay with me, please. When you're in the spirit, God's gonna give you a perspective on that circumstance. And you don't even have to move on that. That's dominion. Knowing something and not having to do nothing about it. See, when we're just in power, we think, okay, I gotta change this. I gotta change this. I can change it. I have power, I can change it. But authority and dominion saying, okay, I see it from your eyes, God. I'm in the spirit now. I'm gonna let that thing work itself out. We talked about it before. It's like you get over a hump. Who's all experienced? There's a hump in, in front of you. And you, if I can just get over this hump, if I could just, there's like light on the other end. That's what happens when you step in the spirit. We have to stay out the flesh. The flesh will ruin us every time. I'm talking about thoughts, words, and actions. I'm telling you, we should, we, everybody in this house, it should grieve you to hear a word that is not edifying to something. It should grieve you. Where are we at? No, I was with a couple friends the other day. And it was, my friends weren't cursing, but somebody around us was cursing. Every time they said the curse, word, oh, it hurt me. And I just, I wish they knew something. You know what curse, what curse means? Absent of life. Every time we speak a curse word, like I said this last time, curse word doesn't, doesn't have to be the S the B word, the F word, it can be anything that is not edifying to a person. Y'all are with me? So anytime we are indulging in the curse, we're having absence of life. Anytime we're in the flesh, we're absent of life. 
So in the death to self, although this man looks dead, he's fully alive to himself. Right? Although he seems to be dead, he's fully alive to himself. This man over here, although he seems to be fully alive, he's dead to himself. And he's full with God. Right? Although he seems to be completely alive, he's dead to himself. Dead to every part of his being. That's why he's flooded with God. Right? I'm almost done. The ground was cursed. What man was made out of was cursed. So if we're not in the spirit, the curse is in operation. I'm not saying you're cursed if you're not in the spirit. That could be true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you're taking agreement with that if you're operating in the flesh or the, the dirt of the ground or, you know, sinful nature. That's what flesh is too, sinful nature. And this man looks completely dirty, don't he? It looks like dirt. Y'all ever, open, y'all ever pull back some grass? Don't it look like that? It's dark. It's brown. All right, these are some, these are some things that I took out of the book. It's not my revelation, but I'm going to speak a little bit on it. It says the key to, okay, when we receive Christ in our heart, receive all power, all authority in our spirit. As the spirit is working to our soul, we can exercise that power and authority, right? The key to not losing everything that you receive from the hand of God, okay, check this out. The hand in this case can be Jesus, the fivefold, or the Holy Spirit. And what God has given us is dominion. In the other verse, right? He's given us dominion, authority. The key to not losing everything you received in the spirit, which was given by grace, the grace of Christ, Christ walking out, everything we received in the spirit, the key to not losing that is death to self, death to your ego, to your old nature, to the old man, or to the sinful nature, the flesh. That is the key to not losing what God gave us through grace, which is power and authority. I think the quickest way, one of the fastest ways to stay out of that realm is to get into the spirit realm or the unnatural or the unseen realm, the eternal realm. It's by pursuing God, worshiping God, opening your mouth, lifting praises to him. How many times have I just woken up and shouted hallelujah? Like, hallelujah, right out of bed. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, you set the tone of the day doing something like that. At one point, me and Tori, when we would wake up, we would, we would praise God with just our mouth for like five minutes. And five minutes normally would be slow. It would go by so quick. We just say, hallelujah, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We give you, you know, glory, stuff like that. But that's a quick way to get out of the flesh. I'm telling you, you could be in a bad mood and start doing that. Your whole mood would change. So the only way to sustain and not lose what you receive from the spirit of God is death to self. Selfishness, the things you want, the things you need, the things you've deemed as good for your life. And that doesn't mean that everything is bad. I'm telling you, this is a song by Kim, um, Kim Walker Smith. And she talked about, I surrender. She said, even my, my greatest ambitions, every part of me I give to you. How many of y'all feel like God gave you a dream and then you came to God and he told you to give it up? I, I'm telling you, I, I felt like that. I'm like, okay, what am I on earth for now if you ask me to give this up? You know, you have to be, that's, that's self. You, could, you, could, you can take ownership of something that God has given you. 
We're not owners of anything. We're stewards. I'm almost done. The only way to sustain that or to keep from losing the dominion and authority that God has given you is to stay out of yourself. You must be constantly meditating on the things of God. On God. Have we... Gene asked me this, or we were talking one time, we're texting back and forth. He was like, hey, do you even just sometimes ask God how his day is going? I said, no. And I would just start, you know, dad, you know, how's your day going? He's out of time. You know, how's it going up there, pop? <laughs> and then, I, you know, I would ask him, what is on your heart today? Every time I would ask, it'd be salvation. And that's what I would encounter that day. Salvation. I need to get back to that because I had some really cool experiences when I was doing that. But just really seeing what was on God's heart. How are you feeling today? I'm telling you, you're going to get out of yourself. You know how Lee talks about getting her assignment for the day? That's getting out of herself because we can plan our day really quickly. All right. Here's a good thing. To eradicate the sin, to eradicate sin out of our lives, the old man, we must destroy the source that feeds it. Some of us have stayed in connection with something that's feeding the flesh. I'm telling you, I, had, I used to destroy some Hooters. I murked off some Hooters. I love Hooters wings. I loved it. No joke, I did. But Hooters had me in a place where I couldn't sanctify myself because of what they were, and the food was just so good. It was like every time I would go, I would overindulge in food. Right? I had to sever that tie or that What's it called? That, that source. To not go back into that sin. We have to sever that tie. The same thing I would, every time I would go out, I would hit on women. I would get drunk. I would try to take a, a lady home. In order to cut that source, or in order to stay away from that sin, I would have to not go out, hang out with my friends, or do stuff like that. Y'all get what I'm saying? If you were trying to quit smoking, then... You got to put down the cigarettes or don't go buy the cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with drinking. If you don't want to drink anymore, don't go to the liquor store or don't be around beer. That's, that's a conscious choice. That's what God gave us, choice. The more you walk out choice and faith, God's going to honor that walk. And then before you know it, it's going to turn into grace. Okay, because we got to go from grace. We Grace. I keep saying grace. Faith initiates grace. As I walk out in faith, what God has asked me to do, grace kicks in. We must destroy the source if it's pornography. I'm telling you, man, I had the hardest time with pornography in my life. I had to not go on the computer. I had to stop looking at women inappropriately. And I had to really focus on God. I did. I'm telling you, when I wanted to look at something inappropriately, I would have to open up the word of God. I think Lord just cut off, cut off internet, or I didn't have a TV at one point or a computer that worked. But I had to destroy the source. I had to make the choice to destroy it. We have to destroy the source that feeds it or grants it entrance into our lives. That source is self. It's things that we want in the flesh that God had never intended for us to have. Lust, perversion, that is not the fruit of the Spirit. That was not characterized in Genesis when he gave us dominion of the beast and the fish. This man over here wants nothing to do with the flesh. He's completely dead to himself. Completely, he's just completely gone. 
He can do anything and everything God asks him to do because he is in self-denial. He doesn't even believe that he exists anymore. The word says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's not I no longer who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's this person. We all want to get there. I'm telling you, when you can just eliminate even emotions about circumstances in your life. Because you know God already has it taken care of. God, what do you want me to do today? I know you got that taken care of. Like, you know, where, where you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? We can really, this is really simple to, 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 to practice. Anytime you come up to anybody and you're talking to engage them, just start internally asking God, what do, you, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? I do it all the time. You may not even notice. Sometimes the Lord just had me touch somebody on the shoulder. For real. I just come up to him. I won't even say nothing to him. I'll do just, it could be awkward as I don't know what. I'll just be doing it. Okay. And I, I don't know if I've kissed Cameron before. But I'll kiss him. I'll kiss, um, who I kissed? Lord had me kiss a man on the head one time. I might have been Matthew. I kissed a man that it, was, it wasn't Matthew. Would have been very Justin. Bread man. I saw him sitting in the back. I came behind him and kissed him on the head. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't want to do it. I don't want to kiss no man. But I just asked the Lord. I would see glimpses of, some, of stuff God wants me to do. Because I just did it. I don't know what it did for him. It broke some barriers off of me, though. Because I don't mind. Because it says we're supposed to greet our, you know, greet our brothers with a kiss. Don't mean I got to be in your mouth. Okay. <laughs> All right. The source of pornography, cigarettes, alcohol, itself, how it makes you feel, not how it makes God feel. It's not how it makes, if we thought about the things we did and how it made God feel, even being out of faith displeases him. It'll change your whole course of action or thought. All right, here's some last few notes. The most important thing to note here is that at the end of, this is when Jesus was being tempted on the mountain in, in the desert. I thought this was so awesome because we learned about this today about um, the sequence of the advancement of the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom from within. The most important thing to note here is that at the end of Jesus' temptation, the Father sent angels to serve him in the middle of the desert. Jesus refused to negotiate any of his needs with Satan. He waited for his Father's provision. And his father provided, honoring his loyalty, faith, and obedience. This is really awesome. There's three things that happened here. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, you already know he fasted. His natural body needed energy, substance. He did not negotiate what he needed with Satan. Now, when we're in the desert, when the trial, we may not know that we're negotiating with the enemy, but there's a temptation that comes. And we know the temptation because it's been in our life our whole life, right? It's not the first time. And sometimes it may be the first time, but you'll know if you have the Spirit of God in you. You cannot negotiate with that temptation. You cannot negotiate with the temptation. You must trust that what your Father has for you is what you need. And when you don't yield to that temptation... God sends angels to minister to you. 
Okay, that may not be great for you guys. But I think it's very awesome because angels are sent to do these three things. I'm not saying this is it. To minister, to protect, and to execute God's will on earth. Did y'all know that? There are actually angels that are sent to execute his will. Okay? You have dominion over those angels. You have two when you receive Christ. And the one is for ministering to you. Sometimes that's how you receive revelation, is when an angel whispers in your ear. And for protection, I've, I've, I've received protection from an angel before. Trust me, my life could have been completely shattered. But God's an angel. I know it was an angel because it's unbelievable. But God's an angel to his side. So God, when you resist temptation and trust that God is bringing your provision, your father, once you resist that temptation, that temptation is over, he's going to send angels to you. Okay? And it says he waited for his father's provision, his father's provision, and his father provided. Honoring his loyalty, his faith, and his obedience. God honored his loyalty, talking about Jesus, his faith, and his obedience. Just think about how powerful those three elements are, being able to have loyalty to God, have faith in God, and obedience to God. All right, this is the last one. This is so cool. This is what we really, Jesus was the man. Have you ever thought about it like this? Christ had all power. I'm telling you, this book I read was awesome. It gave me some new perspectives. He could have crushed Satan. He could have defeated Satan when he came to him in the desert. He was, all, he was 100% God, 100% man. But God would, would not show his sovereignty. Jesus would not show his sovereignty out of God's will. He wouldn't show his power out of God's will. He could have crushed Satan when he came to him in the desert. Satan was tempted, like, bro, if, if you are the son of God, do this. He was challenging his deity, who he was. Satan knew who he was. And Jesus was in a vulnerable position in, in, in the natural man. I'm not saying he had these thoughts, but you know when somebody, like, for me it was basketball. If I knew I was better than somebody at basketball and it was talking, it was like, bro, I can really roast you right now. I'm kind of holding back. You see what I'm saying? When you know something about yourself, you can show it. Christ this is so awesome. Being so powerful, he withheld from doing that. And this is how it was said. Jesus was not interested in winning just any battle. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. He was not interested in just winning any battle. He could have won that battle easily. He could have, <laughs> and Satan would have been wiped off the face of the earth forever. You know what I'm saying? But there would have been no chance for redemption for us. For he knew that he had been born for greater things. There are little battles that we're wasting too much energy on. I know. <laughs> That's so we're trying to prove that God is in our life. We're trying to prove that God is in us. And God, like, why are you even worried about that? You got bigger fish to fry. That's so ridiculous. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? He was meant, he was in the soul in the place, even at his weakest fleshly moment, to know that I'm not going to destroy this dude. My father's plan for his demise is so much greater than mine. So in our life, and this is it, I'm going to finish with this. The old man is a prideful man. I can cook you on the basketball court right now, bro, if you want it. The old man will talk trash, whip you up and down, and show you his deity. <laughs> the new man, the complete man, like it says here, the man that's full of God, 
is constantly in tune with what God's will is and what he wants. He's completely dead to his ego, to his, his, his conscience, everything that revolves around him. You see no darkness in this guy. You see no mud. You see no clay. You see no dirt. You see no flesh in this man. This man, although seems to be fully alive, is completely dead. Completely dead to himself and alive in God. And this is a man that walked the earth knowing that he could win any battle, but he didn't have to win any battle. No pun intended, that's my last name. I believe the Lord won me. He was not interested in winning just any battle. So these little battles in our life, give it, give it the word, a lot of temptation to come, and don't think about it. And think about the bigger fish God has for you to fry. I know it wasn't a long teaching or a very in-depth teaching, but God kind of spoke to me this morning about God didn't curse the ground. I mean, he didn't curse the man. He cursed, he cursed the ground. But it took me back. God created man from basically the ground. So in the ground formed, you know, our flesh. And in that flesh is sinful nature. So every time we're in sinful nature of the flesh or the dirt of the ground, we're in a curse. It's pretty cool. I hope y'all enjoyed it. And you on the camera, mostly. Uh, let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, we thank you. You're awesome. Build on this revelation, God. We have teachers in here. Um, we have all office gifts in here. And ask that you speak to them and just allow them to just expand on your word, and bring forth your revelation and your love. I ask that you give me a greater understanding about death to self and walking in your power and your authority and your dominion, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you sent Jesus for it. And I thank you that you're changing all the dynamics of our life to line up with your word and with your will. Tonight is all about you. And we bless you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. You thought it was okay, honey? <laughs>